enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all, all things, things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica, and today we are joined by Victoria Molly to discuss Marvel Studios' latest series, Moon Knight. If this is your first time tuning into the Temple of Geek Podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture, news, and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. Welcome back to the podcast, Victoria. I'm so happy to be here. I'm kind of in a podcast retirement, but if anyone could coax me out, it's you and the latest Marvel show. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be on here and to make my uh, hopefully glorious return. Well, um, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and just kind of tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm in Los Angeles based. I like the coin or the term I've coined is creative professional. Um, I work in the film industry, both as a junior development executive uh, for a major franchise. And then I'm also a writer. And then I met this lovely lady, Monica, uh, through a podcast with a friend of mine uh, that we used to have, we had for about three years uh, called Your Biggest Fangirl. We're no longer doing it, um, but you can still look it up on most uh, podcast platforms. So that's just a little bit about me. And then I'm a huge huge marvel stan um and i love i'm just a big nerd i love history i love musicals but marvel definitely reigns supreme and i love i mean i love a good dc moment as well but i'm definitely a marvel girl through and through absolutely me too i you know and i love dc but uh marvel just be doing things and it's just yes i think also my my first my favorite movie of all time is the original spider-man and that was like my intro into the whole comic book lore. So I think, yeah, I naturally love Marvel or the natural affinity. And, um, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, comic book background when it comes to Moon Knight or most, you know, the Marvel properties. I'm more of a movie and television person. And I don't know if this is true for you, but it's true for me. Um, I enjoy watching the Marvel series without doing too much digging into the comics because having no context I feel like is a really great way to like experience like what Marvel's trying to show us at least you know the in the MCU the cinematic universe I feel like I really appreciate just kind of like getting to know these characters through the films and I feel like it makes me less likely to be like oh well they should have done this or they should have done that so is that true for you at all or yeah I think in a way, there's less opportunity for heartbreak, right? If you don't have any expectations. Um, I I know I have that with Spider-Man. Like, in No Way Home, I was really hoping they'd reference a certain character that I love, and they didn't. I was like, it's fine. Um, but uh, I think also it's, it's good to go into... I think specifically Moon Knight is a character who's good to go in rather cold on. I did listen to prep um, our... You need to meet them, actually, Uh my dear friends, Jason and Ashley, are the hosts of Geek History Lesson. And they oh, did yes, I'm familiar with Geek History Lesson. Yes, they did a fabulous episode. I mean, pretty much all their episodes are fabulous, but they did a great primer for Moon Knight. And both they, those two, and Oscar Isaac himself have said in interviews that, like, Moon Knight's history is bonkers. It's, it's all over the place. He's been, you know, writers have brought all these different aspects to the character. So I think what I love about this series is that they're going in and they're just kind of consolidating and streamlining it and updating a lot of things, especially, you know, with the whole, cause the dissociative identity disorder is a major aspect of this character. Um, and so I think they're doing a really great job or I, I like that. I don't know too much about Mark and I can just kind of go in and let the show be my, be my intro and my guide into this character. Absolutely. And, you know, I think because the comics have been around for so long, some of the stuff is a little dated, yeah. doesn't really translate well. So it's kind of hard to have this, you know, story from the comics perfectly, you know, move over and translate into it. Just sometimes it just doesn't translate well. 
Yeah, and like, and that's the beauty again as a writer of and like of someone who works on film of adaptation because also you know certain things might be super cool in comics, but they don't. It's really hard to do them on screen. And I also think a lot. One of the few things I knew about Moon Knight before watching the series is he's kind of Marvel's Batman. Like Stephen Grant, I think in the comics is like a suave billionaire. Um, and I think Stephen Grant in the show is quite suave, but in his own special Stephen with a V way. Um, <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm like, yes, you have Oscar Isaac's face, whatever you say, BB. Um, and I love a Brit, so I'm just like into it. But I like also, like, I think also given that Batman is such a big thing, we just had the new Batman movie. I think, you know, there's certain things that they want to differentiate. And I think it's fun. Like, I think you can love both. Like you can love certain comic books, representations of characters and then you can also love how they do it on screen i don't i don't think we have to necessarily compare them i think that's fine i think that's fine um so let's talk about the first four episodes because oh my god i need to let down i take a nap right here (laughs) so i went in with very little expectations but this show absolutely the first four episodes blew my mind i it was nothing like I imagined and I had no context, but I couldn't have imagined this. Like there was no way that I would have imagined this. Um, yeah. I guess give me, first of all, your overall take on the first four episodes. What was like your just overall take on it? I mean, I'll break the microphone. It's just like, it's I just one of my favorite like memes is I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Ariana Grande God is a woman music video but in the middle of that music video they just cut to a bunch of gophers screaming like very shrilly and that is me um I think uh, it's funny you say what what we were just talking about with comics because and like knowing characters really well because it's funny like I I think the I've noticed that the shows I enjoy most so far of the Disney Plus shows are the shows that I have the least amount of knowledge on or that I have the least amount of expectations. Like WandaVision was like, all right, whatever. Like, and then was sobbing in the last episode. Whereas with Loki, like that's a character I've read a bunch of comics on and I've read like even a novelization about his character. And I know, and I know his character from the mythology and I know all Tom Hiddleston's work and I maybe interviewed to work on that show. And um, allegedly, allegedly, um, <laughs> allegedly, no, I did. I obviously, I didn't get hired. Um, but I had such high hopes for that character. And then when they did their own thing with him and they kind of did certain, you know, they took a, a, they made some bold choices. I was like, no, no, I just wanted to see him time travel and be like a hot asshole to people. Like I no. Um, but I think this show, since I didn't know much about Moon Knight, I was like, all right. And I honestly, what got me was the, um, I love Kid Cudi and I love that song day and night. And when they used it in the trailer, I'm like, I'm in. Um, so yeah, I think my, my general reactions have been just, my expectations have been succeeded. I think it's so brilliantly done. I've been recommending it to everyone. I also think it's such a great show to get people who aren't necessarily watching the MCU stuff. Cause there's so far, there's no really like, hard links like you don't need to have seen x y and z to see it but i think i think it's brilliantly done i think oscar isaac i'm like just baffled by him i think the moment that really stands out to me acting wise is in episode three where he does where he switches he's in the desert and he's looking he breaks off the car mirror and it mark gives steven the body and you just you don't you don't have the effect because usually they denote that transition with like them looking up and like the eyes glow or whatever and the fact he just did it I was like this is not okay like this is no it is okay it's brilliant but I was like you're not allowed to be this handsome and this talented um like that's kind of illegal but I think it's been brilliant I think I'm really enjoying it I think it was interesting I was reading critique on the third episode and I I understand I think to me the the Egyptians gods the Aeneid or Aeneid Sorry, I think Aeneid because I'm a huge Greek mystery or Greek mythology buff, but I I feel they're kind of weird um, and they could be a little more active other than Khonshu. I think, again, this is just me word vomiting. I think Khonshu is a really interesting character. I love his design. He's so imposing. I think overall, I'm also loving, especially in this fourth episode, them using horror tropes and all that. Like it definitely 
is, a, and I hope we see this in Doctor Strange as well. Like we get more of a feeling of um, horror, like the horror film. And I think they're doing it just enough. Like they're not, again, because this is a show on Disney Plus. They're not scaring the bejesus out of any of us, but they're they're like building in those like tropes that or devices you use to build tension. And I think that's it's done really well. And I'm very, I mean, I am a mostly neurotypical person, so I don't really want to speak to um necessarily how they're portraying um steven's dissociative identity disorder but um i i you know from what i read it looks like they're doing it quite authentically and i think not exploitatively uh so yeah i'm just like here i'm here along for the ride and i need to know what happens next because i also my other critique is at the end of i don't know i just i oops i just hit the mic um my other critique is how this last episode, episode four, ended. I I don't know. This is just a me thing. I hate, I hate when it's, it was all in his head. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And it was so action-packed up to then. So I'm very curious to see where we go next. So yes, that's my my stream of consciousness and Moon Knight thoughts. Yeah, and I, I feel like I had a lot of the same thoughts that you just described right now. Um, I think that, this really just showcases what an amazing actor Oscar Isaac is. The way he plays against himself is absolutely amazing. Like just switching from one to the other, the very like distinct way, obviously there's the British accent versus the American accent, but it's not just that it's the way he moves, the way he runs as Mark Spector versus the way he runs as Steven, you know, with the V and you know, just like all these little subtle things, even the way his hair is, you know, and they did a really great job of just like helping the audience understand who's at the wheel, you know? And I, I just couldn't believe the range in Oscar Isaac. And I understand he's a talented actor. We've seen him in so many other things, but I think this is like one long reel of just what Oscar Isaac can do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always really liked him as Poe in Star Wars because he was so funny. I just thought he was so funny. Like, I was like, wow, this is like the comic relief that we all needed, you know, in these Star Wars films. And then when you see him here, like, he's so funny as Steven. Yes. And, and even, like, the way he screams at the end of episode four, you know, when this huge, like, hippo shows up. Yes. Like, screams had me dying if you just look at their faces i kept replaying that scene <laughs> it was so freaking hilarious and yes. so believable and um you know i really really enjoy the way that they have um been showing everything happening through steven's eyes so we're just as much as at a loss as an audience as steven is steven doesn't know what's going on neither do we yes. and we're finding out along with him we know a little bit of what's going on with harrow in the background um but really unless you know steven is there we're not seeing what's going on so this is this is the audience being just as clueless as steven is and so i i thought that was a really great choice as far as the way that they filmed that and um it's, I think it's shown a lot of truth. Like you said, we're neurotypical people. We can't really speak to, you know, the DID. Uh, but it, I think it does give us a very, like, kind of an insight into, like, what he's feeling and the stress that he's feeling when he's going through all of these things. That one scene, I think it's in the second episode, where he tells himself, I'm going to turn myself in. Hopefully they're going to pump me up with enough drugs that I don't hear the voices in my head and things like that. And just like, you know, the struggle of like the memories of what he saw, you know, and what he's seen Mark do and the blood ever just, can you just imagine waking up with blood all over your hands and just, you know, uh, and you're driving a truck. (laughs) Like what? Right. That whole, that whole episode was just incredible. The way they were showing Stephen being able to break through. And I was just blown away with just how they did it, how confused he was. But us as the audience were just as confused because we're like, wait, what just happened? Wait, what happened? Like, what is going on? And I just, I thought that was a really great choice. I thought it was a really great way of showing us how confusing it is for the individual themselves because it, yes. it, it creates, at least for us who, who couldn't possibly imagine, it gives us a little bit of like empathy towards what they're feeling you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
in an authentic way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I, you know, uh, the Moon Knight comics have a, a history of, you know, mental health themes and they're, the filmmakers, I know they brought on Dr. Paul Puri. He's a board certified psychiatrist who is an assistant clinical professor at UCLA. And he was the uh, former president of the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical F- Faculty Association. So he consulted on the show. So they had an actual expert on the show and not just consulting with like filmmakers, but also with the actors and speaking to them. So that all of this was done in a very sensitive light. Like you said, it wasn't exploitive. They weren't trying to kind of make a joke out of it or use it as like some kind of punchline or just something to move the story along. This really was what, you know, Mark Spector or Stephen Grant or whoever he is, is dealing with. Jake, where are you? So let's talk about that. I know we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's, I think it's, and I think that's how you have to do it. Right. If you're not gonna, I think there's also in Hollywood, there's this big um, discussion now. And I think the shift is starting to happen where you have to cast authentically. You cannot cast cis actors to play someone trans. Like obviously you cannot have people pretend to be ethnicities that they're not. And I think if you're gonna cast, and also it's like frowned upon even now to cast, you know, a neurotypical person to play someone who's neurodivergent. And I'm like, well, if you're not gonna do that, then yeah, you need to have an expert and you need to, you know, do your due diligence. Because I also, the other thing I love about Moon Knight and Oscar Isaac's portrayal of the care of the I think the correct term is the system, if we're referring to like the collective identity or collective alters, um, is. He's like, it's a superpower. Like, isn't it amazing how after trauma, you know, the mind can fracture itself to protect itself. And so I think it's really interesting to how they're reframing it and not necessarily portraying DID as some, as like, almost like a, I guess this is not the right term, but like as a major, it's an inhibitor, but it doesn't mean you don't, your life is over. And I think uh, if we're going to think about the end of episode four, I think that's what, that's kind of the typical way we think of someone with who has a serious mental illness is that they're just sedated and they're confined and they're, you know, pumped with drugs and these doctors and they're restrained. And it's just so interesting that I, I hope, I hope this helps shift the conversation about mental health and it's specifically about dissociative identity disorder, just showing that it's not, it's, it's something that can be understood and hopefully worked through. Again, I, I don't have, I don't have dissociative identity disorder. I don't personally know anyone who does, but I think it's just showing, I think it's giving a broader idea of what living with men, with a mental illness is like, rather than just like one flew over to the cuckoo's nest. Right. Right. And, so. you know, hopefully this will shift not only like, um, the perception in Hollywood and, you know, more representation and more inclusivity and just, you know, more being more authentic, but also the shift in our society in general. And it hopefully it removes some of the stigma around mental health because, you know, once you see it, you know, on television and you can understand it a little bit more, there's more empathy, there's more, you know, discussion and discourse around it. And that can only be a good thing, you know, if yeah. it's, especially if it's done right. So I think also, I think what I was, I think I, what I was trying to say is I love that Mark, he's the hero of the story. He's not the victim. And I, I remember seeing Sybil in school growing up and that's how I learned about dissociative identity disorder. And obviously Sally Field does an amazing job. The movie is a product of its time. Um, but I think it's great. Like, yeah, I, I just think it would, it could be so easy to have this like gratuitous sense of, um, pity and kind of dumping on Mark's character and and just not showing the breadth of the experience, only the darkness of this disorder rather than all the different shades and the ups and downs and the light and the dark. So I love that. And I think you're you're right. I really hope it shifts stigma as well. And so um with one thing too that I kind of want to talk about with this Conchu god of vengeance, you know, mm-hmm. this, you know, god that walks among us but needs these avatars to to actually you know do his bidding and stuff and so like 
one of the things that I guess I'm really curious about, and hopefully they'll, you know, they'll tackle this or they, they'll explain this in the series is why he chose Mark, right? And then he had previously chosen Ethan Hawke's character, um, Arthur Harrow. And so like, why is he choosing these people? Also, what business is it of his as a God? Like, why are you here? Why are you doing these things? Like, why do you feel the need to like come down to earth? Because they're not from earth. They're from some pocket dimension and and things like that, you know? So like, I I want, this character Conchu is very interesting and I want to know more about him and why he's meddling. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point because um, he has thoughts, <laughs> and I think uh, I remember from the third episode. It's that I think the Egyptian gods used to walk among the earth, and then the humans stopped believing in them. So they were like, "I I'm head out," and they just go to um, what I think is in now in the MCU called the Overvoid. And in a way, I'm not trying to like be a Marvel apologist, but maybe that's because that scene in episode three where they're like. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, Arthur Harold. Oh, this man's crazy. Okay, yeah, whatever, Conchu. No, he's fine. Let him go. And, um, but I also can see maybe that they really don't care about the humans anymore. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, whatever. This is kind of like, you you caused a freaking eclipse. So we have to come and hear you out. But I think they, they don't trust Conchu to begin with. So I think that's super interesting. And I think it's also interesting too. It just, this just came to me, how both, Mark slash Steven and Conchu are kind of seen as unreliable narrators or unreliable like sources. Like they can't really be trusted, whether it's Steven and Mark trusting themselves and Conchu being trusted by the rest of the Egyptian gods. So I think that's super interesting. And I think that's been a really interesting, fun part, fun and entertaining part of the show is that you don't know what's real and you don't know exactly like what's going on. And, and cause we have an unreliable narrator. And then that's only, I think compounded by the fact he's being driven by this, you know, shall we say amoral or shady moral bird man. So there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot going on. I'm also curious to see what will happen with how it will eventually tie into the MCU, because this is a great, like, you don't need a lot of context for other things, but it has a lot of Eternal vibes to me, because um, Mm -hmm. there's a scene in Eternals where Gilgamesh talks about having fought alongside Odin, and obviously Mm -hmm. we know, like, that, you know, from the Thor movies and everything that Odin was once on Earth, and, you know, the Vikings were, would worship them as gods and things like that, so you know, I, I want to see this tie in of like, where possibly like, where the Eternals may yeah. meet, like, if the Eternals were around for so long, they must have come up, come, uh, come upon these, like, you know, Egyptian gods, or, you know, Odin, right. for example, and right. things like that. So I really want to see where it ties in. And also with um, Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, you know, the 10 rings have been around forever. My nine-year-old is convinced that the Ten Rings came from the Eternals because there was Ten Eternals and, you know, they have the rings and the Eternals have been here forever. So my kid is convinced that <laughs> that's all. So I don't know. I'm wondering where this tie, where Moon Knight will tie in to the MCU yeah. eventually and how. Yes. And there's been a lot of speculation where I don't really kind of buy into this speculation, but there's but there has been a lot of talk about how you know, maybe uh, these different personalities, Mark and then Stephen Grant are like Mm -hmm. somehow tied into the multiverse, um, you know, of madness and will somehow tie into WandaVision and maybe these are different personalities or variants or stuff. I am hoping it's not because I think it's important to like be authentic to the disassociative identity disorder Mm -hmm. and that this is him and not just a bunch of versions of him merged into one uh but it's it'll be interesting to see when moon knight will actually tie into the mcu because there's been like little to no talk yeah well a couple things i am obsessed with the new rock stars channel and they're all their marvel breakdowns like eric voss and mt are my my gods my marvel gods um and i think it's really interesting because i know they clocked in episode three how um Gaspar Ulio's character, R.I.P., 
um, mentioned when he was talking to Layla, he mentioned Madripoor, which is oh yeah, yeah, I did catch that. Which yeah. is yeah, which is where obviously we know Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter deals out of, and also like she deals with like stolen art and fakes and stuff, and then obviously this character is dealing with stuff on the black market and, and like antiques and relics from antiquity. So I think that's super interesting. I was a little disappointed because I know they were theorizing that maybe, I think at one point Kang was an Egyptian Pharaoh, like Rama. He was like Rama Ott or something. I, I'm butchering the name. Don't come for me. Marvel stands. But I was really hoping that that's whose tomb it would be that Steven found. He's like, he's like, I'm looking at the tomb of, I'm like the Kang dude. And he's like, Alexander the Great. Um, and I was like, darn it. And I think that's interesting. I think also something else that they were saying that seems super interesting to me, given that we just came off of Eternals and we're going into Thor, Love and Thunder is um, Gore the God Butcher. And I think he's from the same realm as where the Egyptian gods are hanging out right now. And I think he, they, again, I'm just, I am paraphrasing what these guys said. This is not an independent and original thought. But they're saying that he um, he doesn't like that the gods don't help the humans enough. And that's kind of why he's like, well, I'm just going to get rid of you. So I think that's really interesting, too. And I want to see that come into play. And maybe even though the you know his his peers reject him, Khonshu is trying trying his best. And he is, is his method and like code of ethics great? No. But I don't know if we give him points for hashtag trying or quote unquote, trying, trying. <laughs> trying. Um, because he does deal out vengeance. And I think also we, we see this very interesting, like di difference in philosophies discussed in episode two, where he, it's interesting what Khonshu deals out like or what he thinks vengeance is and who he thinks should be quote unquote punished or who he should unleash Moon Knight on. Whereas, you know, contrasted with Amit and Harrow's cult and their beliefs that like we need to you know nip all this in the bud and and then steven is like wait you can't it's like the baby hitler thing like you can't like kill someone before they've done anything wrong or something that they might do also the other thing i love about steven and just circling back to what you said about he's like the audience's avatar or way in is i just love too how he just has these moments he kind of says what we're all thinking yeah like, i love he's like like how in episode two, Harrow's like, I don't want to use this. And he's like, then don't. And I, I don't, love, yeah, why are you doing that? <laughs> I know. And then I love in, in the third episode, in the middle of the fight, where he's like, we could just need to chill the F out. And then I just loved him being like almost vomiting at blood. Like it's just, it, he feels so much more relatable than these characters. And like, yes, there's still the suspension of disbelief. But it's just a grand old time. And when he's reaching into Alexander's, he's like, oh, Mr. Great, I'm sorry. I'm like, I I need, I. oh God, can I have two shows? One of Mark Spector and one of Stephen. Like, I, I honestly, like, just even animate it. I just want, like, Stephen, I want, like, Stephen Grant's adventures through antiquity. Because I'd, I'd live. I think, uh, I think it's really interesting, too, when it, you know, it's talking about like the different philosophies and stuff is that not everybody, he, nobody thinks they're the bad guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of gives me like the Killmonger vibes. Like yeah. it wasn't necessarily wrong, but yeah. his execution was really bad. Right. Like, yeah. and, and so like, there's these gray areas, like, even if you think about Thanos, right. Like mm -hmm. Thanos had, I guess, good intentions, but like, yeah. I think uh, Ethan Hawke said this, you know, hell is riddled with good intentions or yeah, whatever. Right? Hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so like, you know, everybody's just kind of really thinks that they're doing what's best. And yeah. so there's a couple moments when you're just like, okay, well, so if, um, if Arthur was, uh, Harold was uh, the avatar for Khonshu originally. Yeah. Why is he not? What's going yeah. on? Like, what happened? There's still like a lot of questions and a lot of speculations that's not answered yet. You know, I think I think it's interesting. I don't know necessarily why he left Harrow, but I think it seems like what I've pieced together and what I know from Geek History Lesson and New Rock Stars is I think Khonshu he likes an easy target. He likes to shoot a fish in a barrel. 
So just because I think Mark was oh, I, and like what we learned in episode four is he said his partner turned on him and shot him. And I don't know if that I think that's Duchamp, who we saw like a missed call from in episode one. Um, just going on my very cursory comic knowledge, or I don't know, is it another altar? Who knows? Um, but I think Conchu was desperate. Mark was desperate and Conchu saw a way in. And I think that's why. And I think also Mark is, he's done some bad things, but I think he has a stronger moral compass. So he's like, yeah, well, this is how you're going to atone for your sins. And Mark's like, okay. And he's like, oh, I think he's on the brink of life. And death. So I don't think that was mold over much. So then there's this possibility of this third personality, right? Jake, yes. Right? And we saw a glimpse of it. I think it's in the second or third episode where third. at first he was like, that wasn't me. And so yeah. neither Mark or Steven are taking responsibility for some, you know, for the damage that's been done in this episode, yeah. right? He's even bloodier. He's even like gnarlier than Mark. Yeah, which is a lot already. <laughs> yeah, which is like neutral. And so then um, we see in this episode four, like the coffin shaking and there's like, or yes. yeah, so there's That's one awesome. more, like somebody trying to break out, you know, and <laughs> can you imagine three Oscar Isaacs? I know that, no, that is precisely why I'm like, no, I want a third. If I can get a third, I want a third. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, it, it's interesting to see. I'm sure we'll see him in episode five is like, we'll see Not this, you know, well. in episode five. Um, but there's, there's just so much going on. I, I just really want to pave into that and start finding out what's yeah. going on with that. Um, yeah. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to finally, so, you know, he's been shot by Harrow. Yes. And he's only back. And you think possibly he's died. And then suddenly we see that like he's in some kind of hospital room. And for a second, as the audience, you're like, wait, was he just crazy all the time? And like yeah. imagining these things, you know, but as soon as you see it, everybody's in white and everything's perfectly yeah. clear. And if you've ever been in any kind of medical facility, nothing is all in white and nothing is all perfectly like, you know, cleaned or there's always like some kind of like, it yeah. doesn't look real and so i was like yeah. okay this is where he's like trapped in his own mind or maybe this is where they're showing where he's trapped or he's trying to break out oh no, no keep going because I, okay. I, I was like I, wait what happened i just googled something and i'm just like Bruh! um okay but keep talking also time out i'm gonna plug in my computer really quick, oh yeah, so. yeah go ahead go okay, keep, talking. Talking, keep talking i can hear you through the headphones it's cool oh wait a second Break. Tech break. I want to remember where my thoughts were. Okay, here we go. Okay. Okay, Keep so going. we see um so we see him, you know, in this facility, and it looks like Harrow is his, you know, psychologist, his therapist. He's somebody there trying to help him and trying to be there for him. And you see all the things like his cane and things, and and you can start to think oh, okay, well, maybe he just made this up or this is where he's yeah. living. It looks like he's created this Stephen Grant persona from some television show or film that, that he's seen and yeah. that Layla is just another patient in there. Um, but it, it, it doesn't seem real because everything's white. And all of a sudden, obviously, as we go through and he meets himself, you know, and like that moment when they hug and they're so happy, it just, it made me so happy and i was like me too it was so great um but that's when i realized okay he's he's somewhere in his mind he's about to die and his mind yeah. is processing it and this is how they're showing us that he's processing everything i think you're on the right track i hope you're on the right track because yeah when he wakes up in the mental hospital and he's like and it's like very ariana grande all in my head it was it's all in my head which is one of my favorite songs and um, it's very good for angsting, hot tip. But I was, and I, again, I think I just narratively don't like that. And I was like, oh, come on. And I think because I'm enjoying the adventure aspect of it so much. I'm like, this is hot. Like, I'm into it. I like the weird love triangle. It's not weird, but I love the love triangle. I love 
And again, I was just enjoying the sets and the production value. And again, I'm a mythology nerd. So I'm just loving all the, because I don't know the Egyptian like gods that well. And I'm just having a grand old time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, stop. Don't, no. Like, um, and then, but it's interesting when you say something about protection or it's like he's in a part of his mind, maybe to process all of this. So, you know, we see the hippo goddess at the end and I just Googled hippo Egyptian God and what comes up, like the first result from Wikipedia is that's the goddess Tararet. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that name, but she is, uh, uh, her hand rests on the saw sign, a hieroglyph that means protection. So maybe this is, and like the fact she's there Hopefully this is like another realm or pocket dimension or place, uh, unspecified place in Steven slash Mark's mind that is like protecting them from what's actually going on and helping them sort things out because yeah. And there is like a, and I think also it gets more and more surreal the longer we're in the mental hospital and all like the all white. It also, it does quite, this is a term I learned in college. It also, if two terms, actually, I'm just going to drop them here to, pretend I'm smart um it feels it's like the sense of the uncanny like there's something not quite right even though yes it could all be in his head it just there's something off right and like the mental hospital feels like a liminal space like it's kind of suspended from a from time and a, a real sense of place so I think and there's all these little hints like okay that's where you got the beetle and that's where you got Stephen Grant and there's Layla and there's this and then there's Harrow and his cane but then once he starts, you know, I think once he reunites with Steven, I was like, okay, wait, we're back in. And once they meet Tawaret, you're like, okay, okay, okay. Like, and I'm just, honestly, I wish this was eight to 10 episodes instead of six. I need more time. I need more multiple Oscar Isaacs. I think we will get it in episode five. I think we will finally meet Jake in episode five. I hope. I really wanted him to wake up as Jake in episode four, but whatever, it's fine. And then I also want to talk about Layla uh, because yes. so Khonshu seems keen on making her his next avatar. So yeah. what I want to know is like, why suddenly Layla, right? Like why, why her? And yeah. not because she's not qualified to be like yeah. this badass, but like, why would he go to his, the wife of his ex avatar like yeah. what is he what are the the grounds for picking these people to be your avatars right yeah. and then um what does he hope to gain like you know other than just is he just hoping she's gonna go take out a bunch of people like what is his game my theories are one i think there's there's a purely petty layer because conchu seems petty af so i think he likes it because he knows he can use that as a cudgel against Mark. And then also, I think if he did have Layla as his avatar, he could probably use that. Like, he could probably play that, like, do the inverse of that, is use that as a cudgel for Layla. And also, because they obviously still have feelings for each other, and now she has feelings on feelings, because I don't think we're completely over Mark. And now we're like, oh my God, you, Steven, you smell like Mark. Oh my God, let's kiss. And which I, I mean, like, honestly, girl, same. Like, also, I was like, yes, let me put the harness around your crotch. Like, I can't wait to read that fanfic. And then, um, so I think there's like, there's a manipulative, like just purely interpersonal manipulative aspect from Gonchu's point of view. But I also, it was, as you were talking, I was thinking like, I honestly think Layla's the best of, both Mark and Steven in a way because she has all the knowledge and her she, her father was a um, was an archaeologist and she knows this and she's actually Egyptian it seems and she has like a tether to the land that Mark doesn't necessarily have or Steven has and then she can fight like the girl she like she said I don't need protection she's incredibly capable and then she and Conchu with would just enhance that with the suit so I think he's, he's, you know, obviously, I think, again, my theory is that he was in a pinch, he was in a bind, saw Mark, hopped in, 
and then was like, wait, actually, um, Leila, yeah, <laughs> yeah wait, uh, you have a little less bagage. Like, let me just hop on over. And but then again, I also think there's like a manipulative aspect where he can kind of play the two against each other. Because again, I know he has a form of vengeance, but I do think he's the petty king. That's fair. That's fair. And I just want to see that play out. And I want to see what's He's going on with that. And then I um, also want to see play out the relationship between Layla and all of Mark or Steven's personality. I don't even know how to refer to them. I think, you know, I think you're supposed to call it a system. A That's system? what I okay, to, yeah, to their system. system. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously she's only familiar with Mark. Yeah. And she clearly cares about him I would too I don't blame you like I see the appeal you know I get it I get it and so then but also here's this other side of you know Mark who's kinder and you know more honest and just you know very appreciative of her you know and he's like I would never divorce you when he said that oh my god and then and episode three when she's like when he's putting together the map and she's like Steven and it's just like several seconds of hard eyes and I'm just oh. I mean it's an ideal sitch he looks exactly like her ex but with a kinder personality and a British accent like who <laughs> ideal it's a win-win, it's a win-win. so yeah, and yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the that relationship with Leia the system and uh when we get introduced to Jake yes so we so, want it yeah, I, I really want to see how that will play out. I think this is interesting. I think we could definitely see this going into like a second season and not just like a limited series. From your lips to Kevin Feige's ears. <laughs> My God. And yeah, and I also think I would love that. I'm down. I'm ready. I'm here. I'll bring people coffee on it. Um, Anything to make it happen. And then I'm also really interesting, like uh, just to quickly piggyback off, for, off of what you were just saying, you know, they, I'm interested to see how they bring, like, how comic accurate, quote unquote, Jake is to, um, compared to, you know, his comic counterpart, like, and because, you know, Stephen Grant in the comics is a billionaire, but they, they changed him because they wanted him to be more of like, this Stephen in the show, what they wanted him to not be so much of like a Batman dupe in a way. I was going to say, I was like, that's sounding very Bruce Wayne. Yeah, exactly. So they wanted to differentiate and I love what they did with it. Like, again, I think every, like everyone's like, you know, the st- I, I think I saw something on Tumblr today or yesterday that was like, someone's already selling like Steven Protection Squad merch. So- oh, that is Logan Art Chicago. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it was on your, ins- it was on your Instagram. Excuse me. <laughs> so it's yes, amazing. Okay. It's great. And I think he's, and like, that was an amazing like shift that they made and also like very narratively smart. Right. Cause he's like Mark's the brawn in a way. And Stevens is Stevens, the brains and Mark seems pretty comically accurate. And I love that he's from Illinois because there was a moment in episode one where he says bag and a very my family's my mother's family's from the Midwest. I'm like, yes, Chicago, yes, dialect. And so it's interesting. Like Stephen's a departure from the comics. Mark's pretty closely adhering. Even Layla's taken. She's made like she's different, but she is taken from a character named Marlene in the comics. And it, she's very like the fact that Mark had a hand in killing her father, who was an archaeologist. Again, that tracks. So I'm very interested to see how much of the Jake alter they keep as like a like a taxi driver and how much they adapt and kind of shift for the show. And I want it. And I want it now, like open up the coffin tower it, like you hippo queen goddess, like, come on. I want three. Let's do this. Let's get the boys back in action. We've been so spoiled. I was so spoiled with three Spider-Mans that now I want three moon knights, Oscar Isaacs. That would be amazing. I do want to see a group hug again, because if we don't get to see oh. the inside of that working and because Seriously, like, I felt like I was healed when I saw them hug. Like, they were so happy to see each other. They're like, yes. okay, we're not dead. We're not, like, losing our minds. Like, okay, this is happening. Or we are, but we're here together. We're here together. <laughs> we're going to go down together, you know? Um, and, the, like, what is so interesting to me is the jealousy, too, between, like, you know, when <laughs> Steven kisses her. And he's like, I want to yes. throw a clip. <laughs> no, and then Mark punches him. That was great. That was amazing. I was into it. Oh, like 
really oscar isaac like <laughs> like just the, the acting range alone like yeah i mean just play against yourself it it's so really some of the best acting i've seen definitely oh. the best acting i've seen in marvel like it's just it's phenomenal utter, it's just utterly brilliant yeah and then like the specificity with both like his face changes and you're like what and even no matter how it changes, even when he's possessed by Kanju, I'm like, still would bang. I saw um, a TikTok, and I think I sent it to you. Yes, of the first over Kanju. Where, uh, you know, this young woman, I think her name is Mariah, and she says, uh, she says, uh, what what are the bags under the, your eyes? Are they designer? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, even his, the bags under his eyes are amazing. I'll take it. It's fine. I got, I'm a big skincare freak, so I got some good little patches, some caffeine. I'll get that fixed up right away. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's really great to see like the TikTok reactions to yes. the series, the way that people are just, you know, simping for Mark and for Steven and just, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's so exciting. And oh. I can't wait to see all the TikToks once this episode four drops, which yeah. by the time this episode airs everybody will have seen it yes so bring on the tiktoks please tag yes. temple of geek and all your tiktoks so i can yes. see them all yes i know oh my god poor like monica will send me like three tiktoks and i will respond with 18 memes it's bad <laughs> i it, i have two friends monica is one of my the two people who i just spam their phone like i just I'm like and this one and this one and this one i think so far my favorite meme is um steven or it's like Conchu when Steven's in control of the body. And it's this that meme video of like t a big bird kicking the door in. And I'm just like, this is every, I, I, I like, I, I remember I saw it and I almost like spit my drink out. It was so good. And, you know, you mentioned earlier today, like the horror element. Yeah. That scene where Layla gets taken back into the cave. I was like, no, yes. no, I was so stressed out. And oh, I'm not true. a big horror person. I'm not like somebody who likes scary stuff, but yeah. I was so stressed. I was like, they did not hurt my girl. This no, perfectly. Like, no. But something that I thought, thought was really, really cool and really, really interesting was that she got out of that situation on her own. Yes. And that's something you don't usually see. Like I was actually waiting for Moonlight, Moon Knight in the suit or whatever. I know yeah. he, he doesn't have it technically. He doesn't right have it. But I was waiting for something to come save her. And then she saved herself. And I was like, oh, have I been conditioned to think that a man has to come save this girl? Like, yeah. And I, I really had this moment of like, oh my God, like, why, why would I assume? Like, obviously, clearly she needs no protection. They've said that from like the get go. She's the one who's been rescuing Mark this whole time, you know, or Steven. Yeah. And so. I don't know like it was just a moment where i was like oh i really like this she got out of it herself and you know yes i love that they're a team in this and it's like yeah. yes mark steven conchu moon knight is the protagonist are the protagonist but i love that layla again is not a damsel in distress and there's also really interesting like meatiness to their relationship it's broken and it's fractured and now she's having feelings for another one of his alters and it's not just like oh my god you punched the bad guy which because like that's me you don't need that in the show because i'm on my couch being like oh my god you punched the bad guy um but no, I think it's, it, I love it. I think it is, you're right. It's like moving things ahead where she can take care of herself. They work together, they balance each other out. And also it's interesting. They're an estranged couple, which I don't really feel like I've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the way we have in this one. Like the only other couple that comes to mind and she's not as big of a um, factor is um, Judy Greer and Paul Rudd and Ant-Man. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, just the Wasp. But even then, like you said, she's not a, a big factor in it in that yeah. way. Um, yeah, this is definitely a different relationship than I've seen yeah. altogether. Obviously, like, there is that him trying to protect her and him trying to go on his own, like, that yeah. trope 
where, you know, he's doing it on his own. But the fact that Steven is like, no, no, here's the truth. I'm just going to tell you everything you deserve to know. It almost like balances that trope, right? It is. And I think they're self-aware of it too. Like in the, in the beginning of episode four, when she's like, he's just going to try to lone wolf it. I'm like, yes, drag him, BB. (laughs) Drag that fine ass. (laughs) Which also, I, like, yeah, the butt has been great. Sorry, I'm very, I'm a very intense critic. Very intellectual. And, so, and then another thing that um, I think is, you know, super great about Moon Knight is the comedy in this show. Yes. The physical comedy too has yes. been so great. But like, there's the scene where he is running through, like, you know, from he's running from, you know, those dogs that Harrow yeah, said after him. Yeah, he's running in the museum and just the way he runs is hilarious. Like when he falls, when they're like about to, um, you know, jump down into like the cave where like the tomb is and everything. And he falls and he hurts himself in front of Layla. He's like, oh, I wish you hadn't seen that. But, but like, even when you were talking about the back and forth he has with, you know, with Harrow when he's just like, no, he's like, you don't have to do this. Or he's just like... Yeah the audience voice it is so funny Oscar Isaac is so hilarious so good I think also I the other me, uh, scene that comes to mind is when they're re-watching the footage back at the museum and the guy's like are you crying and he's like a little bit yeah like it's so, and because it's honest like how would you not be like fearing for your life in that and I also love oh my god the moment in this last episode in episode four when he's like Oh my god, like what if they all came to life right now? It shit my pants. That'd be so cool. I'm like, yeah. Chef's kids. And I think it's great. Like, I think that's something else I love about the series is yes, this is very it it just feels like they're they're blending genres in a really cool way. Like, yes, like nothing is all and it's not too self-serious. It's not just like a straight action. And there is I think it's an action adventure thing, but yeah, they're like work they're weaving in the horror. And they have this kind of comedic self-awareness that's so interesting and it makes it so much fun to watch. And then there's also these beautiful, really genuine character moments. Like I'm thinking of the moment, um, like the conversations Layla and Mark had on the, um, on the boat and in the car in episode three. Like that's, that's almost like you lit those scenes and forget about the, the weird moon Egyptian god. And that could be like from a kitchen sink drama. That could be marriage story. So, yeah, not that movie, but like, so I think it's really cool how, and it's one, it's the one thing I love about Marvel is that they have kind of, you know, one critic, like one criticism of this genre and these movies and TV shows and media is that it's a formula. But the thing I love about it is that, yeah, yes, it's formulaic in a sense, but they've gotten the formula down so well that now they're playing with it and now they're making it trippy and now they're subverting it when they can. And there's been other properties that have done that. None um, are coming to mind. But, but even, well, even like WandaVision, how they were playing, they're like, yes, X, Y, Z, but now we're going to, also examining mental health. Like now we're going to do it through sitcom tropes. And, right. And exa- like write a love letter to those. And I just think it's been so, so incredibly interesting. And I like that. Again, they're, they're working in different genres um, and just doing something really cool and different. And I think something else that you, I remember you and I, when we both had seen Eternals that we were talking about, I also just love that, like, we're not in New York. And I'm from the New York, greater New York area. I'm from Jersey, and I don't get me wrong, I love New York, but it's just so fun to be in a different environment. Um, I think that, you know, and like you said, we talked about that during Eternals, like, seeing different landscapes, seeing different like cultures represented, seeing different things. It's just so refreshing. It's just so nice. And I think that that is a testament to Marvel moving forward with more inclusivity. You know, we have the first Arab director to release a Marvel project was on Moon Knight, you know, Mohamed Diab. We have Oscar Isaac, who's from Guatemala, May uh, Kalamawi, I think. Sure. I'm so sorry if I said her name wrong, um, who plays Layla. She's Egyptian, Palestinian. You know, um, I think that that just, it's a credit to Marvel that they've moved into a direction where they're bringing in more inclusivity, both on screen, behind screen, and it is translating beautifully. Like, yes. it is just so, I loved the London scenes. I love the Egypt scenes. It is so nice to see something that's not, like you said, in New York, not based in the U.S., and just 
to see people who look different too. It's just, yeah. oh, it's all so nice. Yeah. And I think also what I love about that is there's, and it's not like tokenism either. It's not like, right. hey, here is our one colored friend. Or, and it's like, and we had a Arab director direct one episode. Like there, I, it feels like, and it's, and it's kind of, it folds into what we were talking about with the mental health aspect is they're, they're really taking it seriously. And they're, they're very much here to tell a story that's authentic and not exploitative, which I love. Um, and yeah, I think, and I think obviously, and it's great too, because I don't think you can say that these people like, yes, they're being included, but they're also just so wonderful in their own right. Like this series is so well shot. Like Mohammed Diab is crushing it. It's brilliantly shot. I was just thinking of like how much fun and how cool, like, especially in this past episode with all the caves, like the production design is so much fun. And then, yeah. And then yes. Um, Oscar Isaac is Guatemalan. I think he's Guatemalan and Cuban. Yes. Um, he's Latino, but he's like, obviously this brilliant effing actor. <laughs> and, and the actress May who plays Layla too, is again, divert, like inclusive, actually from the Middle East or has that ancestry is that that's her ethnicity. And it's just so lovely. And I know she's getting a lot or her character is getting a lot of hate online. Cause I think everyone wants Oscar for himself, which for themselves, which how dare they? I know, she but too like, needs to be protected. <laughs> she too does need to be protected. I understand the impulse there, but nah. Um, so yes, it's like yes, you can do, you can be like being inclusive. I think this also like this movie in particular because I thought Shang Chi was great. Eternals, I know we enjoyed, but generally was not that well received. But I think Moon Knight is really crushing that you can be in and Black Panther. It's like on the, it feels like very similar to Black Panther to me, where it's like inclusivity only enhances the storytelling. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not something you have to include. And it's not like, it's not going to be to the story's detriment if you do it the right way. It's only going to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. And all that has to do with being, having inclusivity behind the scenes yes the people that are writing it the people that are directing the people that are shooting it like these little tiny things make such a difference yes it's so brilliant it's so brilliant I just again I'm like I don't want it to end I forget who was texting me oh I think it was my other friend who I subject to many a moon night meme she's like wait this is only she's like oh I didn't realize it was only six episodes I was like yeah I'm really depressed about it I need like eight to ten yeah it's so brilliant I get it. You know, you don't want to do too much. You don't want to like overdo it and you want to tell yeah. your story cohesively and yeah. as best possible. So fine. But for Moon Knight, I think I really need a season two. I don't know. Yes. The world building in Moon Knight. Like you said, I could yes. go, I could see all the other gods. I would yes. like to see what happens with Layla and, yeah. you know, what she ends up involved in, you know, and like, you know, there's so much building on, you know, he could be fighting gods, all kinds of Egyptian gods for like four or five more seasons, you know, at least. She wants it. Um, yes. Also, I think like you raise a good point too. Like we're in this new pocket in this new corner of the Marvel universe. I'm like, no, give me some, I'm enjoying it. I want some more time here. And I, but then I totally understand leaving the audience wanting more, but yes, like you said, there's so many different avenues to go down with this. This is like the, feels like the horizon is so wide on this one and also I think it also speaks to the creative team and how brilliantly they're portraying the system um of in Moon Knight rather should we say because like I I oh I want more time with Mark I want more time with Steven I want more time with presumably Jake I want more time with Hippo Goddess like I want I and Layla like I want more time with everyone I want to go back to Donna I know we saw her for a second but like I just oh Sorry, yeah. who is he talking to on the phone? I have no effing clue. Who is he talking to? Because okay. Layla mentions a thing. And this is okay. why I feel like I need more time. Because Layla yeah. was like, oh, you're talking to your mother again? And he's leaving voicemails to supposedly his mother. So like, what is happening? I, I need more time. I need the answers. Okay. So the two theories I've heard is that Mark set it up. Because Mark knows about Steven. So he's leaving voicemails for Mark and then Mark sends him postcards. Cause again, in the beginning, Steven did not know about Mark, but Mark knew about Steven. 
The other thing I heard is kind of like a more out there theory. I think it's when we lose that, when we knew less about Amit was maybe it's Amit because he always signs off later skaters and Amit has a head of a crocodile. But you know what just occurred to me having this discussion is maybe it's Tawaret. Because she's the goddess of protection. I don't know. I decay. I don't know, but I, I, that's a good question. I don't know who it is because, and it's not Layla. Cause she was like, I hadn't heard from you. Is it just a burner phone in that storage locker? I de- I, I don't know. I don't know. And like, also I do, there is another altar because who asked out the girl at the museum? Yeah. I was thinking that that might've been Jake. Me too. And that's why I'm like, I want to see him. Also, it's just like, it speaks to Oscar Isaac's performance, which we haven't, we really haven't spoken at all to it, but let me take this opportunity. <laughs> um, just kidding. This this is just two simps going off. But um, I like, I think it just speaks to his performance because I'm like, no, I want to see what Jake, like I want to see what, how like Jake's movement and how he speaks and like his whole POV. Like I'm like, give it to me. What is his Moon Knight outfit going to look yeah, like? Because exactly. Matthew Mark Spector has the whole hooded thing. Mr. Knight. Yeah. yeah Mr. Knight. Oh my God. <laughs> so good. It's so good. So I, I want to see if there's going to be like a third suit, you know, because yeah, I, I think it'd be perfect in my opinion is having a third suit. Um, yeah. Just reflecting of all the different personalities, but We'll see. I need it, and I need it bad. I need it so now. Before, <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, any last thoughts? God, I have so many. I I know we're gonna sign off, and like I'm gonna have 14 come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I I think I hope I, I feels like the general consensus is everyone was just so pleasantly surprised by this show. I completely echo you that we need more. I want season two. I think it may help that Oscar Isaac's a producer on this um and it seems like he enjoyed playing the character that being said he's like one of the most in-demand men in Hollywood um so there's always like you know I there's what we want and then there's like my cynical but knowing like the logistics and how hard it is to schedule people um but I just I love this I want more I am I just also I really don't want it to have all been a dream. I hate that. Ep. Like I the, like Wizard of Oz, great, because she like learns from it. And I, but this one, I just I'm like this cannot be the end. But I also think it's interesting because a lot of oh something else that everyone was bringing up is, um, Conchu and Steven spinning the sky back. It was interesting because like what does that mean? Was that just a major event? And it's like. Now it's like, okay, so now that our universe or our planet is just like 2,000 years younger. And like, does that mean Loki and Hela? And like, what does that mean for the greater MCU? So what I, there, there was a really great t- uh, take on that okay. um, that I saw on TikTok. I think it was yeah. uh, Vegas Vagabond who says it. And I'll link it in the show notes so that people can watch it. But she describes, you know, Khonshu's powers as being able to like, because he's from this, you know, other dimension, this pocket universe, that the way that he views earth is in a different perspective. So for example, it would be equivalent to the way that we view video games, right? Or like, you know, we can play a game, we can interact, we can watch it, but also like, it's kind of like just seeing something on the internet. He didn't really affect the actual stars in the moon. He just kind of rewind and like yeah. went back so we could catch something. In the uh, yeah, same which, yeah, he just did a playback for like a minute. But from our perspective as lowly humans, we just saw like an event, but it didn't actually move the stars or anything because had that happened, the, you know, the catastrophes on earth would be, unmatchable like it you know what would happen to our our waves and our ocean and our planet and things like that um so that's not what he did but from our perspective it looked like that but from his it was more like just going through your shirt your web browser and looking for something you know yeah Um, and he did it for a moment but it was enough that it's gonna wake up the god like hey yeah we're not supposed to access that 
Exactly. That's what I hope it is. Cause I know a lot of people were like, what did he do? And I'm like, no. I, and that's kind of what my original thought was. But then also, again, this is not what I want to be, but like, does it even matter? Cause was this all in, in their head? I really hope it's not in their head. I think it would be you a know. disservice to the conversations that we've been having. I mean, that's uh, a good point. You know. Um, so I really don't want it to be that. I don't think it'll be that. I think that they're a little bit more thoughtful about it, but I think that the whole, everything happening in his head is them trying to explain to us what is going on in his mind, how he's processing it and you know, how he's dealing with it internally and what's going on in his mind. Something that we can't possibly see, you know? Yeah. No, that's a good point. They're externalizing like this internal battle and struggle, which I love. I'm into it. I love it. Also, this is a, I don't know. I feel like I'm a middle schooler again because I just like want to make a playlist for this show, like a vibes playlist. Cause it's just like, I'm thinking Ariana Grande in my head. I want the upbeat remix, remix of day and night. I want like I had another just the songs that are already in yes. the show. it has an excellent score like it does it does I just I don't know this is like like this this the show's got me feeling some type of way so I don't want it to end ever thank you Oscar bye feel <laughs> free to send me your playlist um oh my god I will I will that <laughs> it's it's warning it's a lot of Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande <laughs> You know, just, just all in your feels. Trey sophisticated. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in today, but especially our guest, Victoria. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, this was the most fun. I love talking to you. It's always great to have you on the podcast. Likewise. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on facebook or twitter using the handle temple of geek if you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows why don't you head on over to templegeek.com there you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world please follow us on twitter at temple of geek follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash temple of geek and remember to visit templeofgeek.com your one stop for all things geek goodbye This will conclude our transmission.